All right, we are back. I know we went on at great length here in that last segment about potential theft, but uh, that website, 270towin.com, if you take a look at it, you realize this is going to be very easy election to flip. And by the way, bad weather favors Republicans. How the perfect storm striking the East Coast uh, might affect uh, the election next week, well, um, we'll have to see. But I just want to go back in brief to that piece that was in the UK Progressive titled NSA Analyst Proves GOP is Stealing Elections to note how an Arizona retired NSA analyst, of course, that's our, those are our code breakers. The National Security Agency actually gets more money than the CIA, supposedly, to, uh, to do electronic uh, uh, surveillance, eavesdropping, spying. This analyst took a look at Arizona precincts and started playing with the numbers and noted an anomaly. The larger precincts seem to show a trend toward Romney. Now, this was done in the primary when he was running against Santorum and Paul. And uh, the conjecture is that because it's easier to conceal switching votes, you might see more of that in the larger precincts where they're more concealable. And that was the pattern that emerged the piece also mentions a look back at the election 2000 by quantitative methods research team at the University of California at Berkeley. Went back and took a look at Florida counties using touchscreen voting. Noted that there was a higher than expected vote count for Bush in three large Democratic counties. Noted the Berkeley researchers, no matter how many factors and variables we took into consideration, the significant correlation in the votes for President Bush and electronic voting cannot be explained. Of course, in Ohio, when they took a look at uh, the chicanery that took place in the 04 election, GOP consultant Michael Connell claimed after the fact that the vote count computer program, which he had created for the state, had a trapdoor that shifted Democratic votes to the GOP. Connell was subpoenaed as a witness in a lawsuit against then-Secretary of State Ken Blackwell, and lawyers for the plaintiff asked the Department of Justice to provide Connell with security because there had been two threats made against his life. In December 2008, before the trial began, Connell was killed in a plane crash. Now, it's worthy of note that during the four years we've had Barack Obama as president, or almost four years, um, his Department of Justice has not taken much of a look at any of this, and across the nation there have not been a whole lot of corrections being done, California being one exception to that. We have voting machines everywhere in this country, and it appears that, well, they're certainly capable of stealing elections. They have apparently stolen elections. And, uh, well, to make a long story short, I'm just nervous about what's going to happen next week. We hope that a month from now we don't have Greg Pallast back on this show to explain how it was that Mitt Romney forces... Oh, and by the way, Mitt Romney's son does own stock in a company that, oddly enough, produces... Voting machines. There's been a claim made in years past that, well, uh, you know, uh, apparently in America, doggone it, these exit polls, they just don't work. Of course, they work in other countries, and they've always worked up till recently, so one has to wonder. Now, Democrats have their own pollsters. Republicans have their pollsters. And part of the, part of the reason you have your own pollsters is that you can produce polls that help move people in a certain direction. The same reason you put ads on television. You show some starlet using Clairol, and people want to go out and buy Clairol. If a poll shows that, well, you know, Romney's surging ahead, well, then you think to yourself, if you're one of these undecided voters, well, maybe I ought to vote for him. 
We suggest you go look at 270towin.com. This will be the last time we make that suggestion to you, dear listener. Play with the numbers. You will see that why the odds still favor Barack Obama fairly handily, it would not take very much to flip things in the final week. All right, in the time we have left, let's just kind of run through uh, what's going on here in California. In the wake of Citizens United, corporations and uh, hedge fund owners and millionaires and all sorts of people have an ability now to um, have corporations act as people and make unlimited funds to political campaigns. In California, we've seen a whole lot of -of out-of-state money coming in to support a couple ballot initiatives. I got a big, uh, I got a couple of mailers in my mailbox telling me that I should vote yes on 32 because it would stop special interest and protect employee paychecks. I tell you, in this one, I'm going to have to join the League of Women Voters, the California Democratic Party, and Common Cause and vote no because the people sponsoring it haven't restricted their ability to spend unlimited money on anything. So um, it does seem a bit unfair. This big, uh, this big mailer also suggested I should vote no on 30. It was a billion, $6 billion tax hike. Well, Sacramento News and Review and Sacramento Bee both are backing that one and uh, giving a thumbs down on the competing proposition number 38, which I guess could squash Prop 30 if it passes. I guess I'm going to follow their lead and vote no. Apparently Prop 33 is another effort by an insurance billionaire to change auto insurance rates to benefit his company and... No one seems to like that one very much, and I guess I don't either. Prop 35 attempts to address this so-called great problem of human trafficking, but uh, is more likely to target anyone involved in the sex industry. There's agreement with the B in the News and Review. That's a bad idea, and we're going to go along with them. By the way, I may want to remind you just one more time that uh, I'm just offering up my opinions and telling you what I'm going to do. You, dear listener, have a mind of your own and should make your own decisions. California's had buyer's remorse about our three strikes law for some time now, but when they tried to get rid of it a few years back, every single ex-governor, including our current one, Jerry Brown, came forward to tell us that was a terrible idea. We need to keep that because, my God, the prison industry is still booming. This is a chance to uh, to amend that law, and uh, yours truly thinks it's high time we did, and I'm going to vote yes. Now, Prop 13 is generating a fair amount of heat, and the B and News and Review split on this one. The B says vote no, News and Review says vote yes. We're going to side with the News and Review on this one. Note to the editors at the News and Review, a company should not be allowed to label a food product as natural if it contains genetically modified organisms. Companies such as Monsanto, General Mills, Pepsi, and Coke, and others shouldn't hide ingredients from consumers. You know, consumer labeling, in a lot of cases, certainly favors industry. There was, a, there was an effort some years back to, for a, a small dairy company to note that their milk was not being produced by the use, uh, added use of bovine somatotropic hormone, and uh, the big dairy producers sued them and said, you, you can't say that. That implies there's something wrong with the fact that we do use those hormones. And they won. I think that the more information a consumer has, probably, you know, within reason, the better. Both papers agree on props 39 and 40. 39 is an effort to close a loophole where uh, out-of-state corporations uh, get a break if they're creating new jobs, and uh, I guess it puts state companies at disadvantage. It's probably going to, uh, to pass. And I certainly hope that Prop 40 passes. This is an effort uh, to leave in place state Senate districts drawn by the Citizens Redistricting Commission and keep them out of the hands of the politicians who tend to draw lines to help themselves. All right, that leaves only one 
ballot prop of note that we haven't hit on, which is Proposition 34. This will eliminate the death penalty in California and replace it with life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Mr. McMillan is probably going to vote yes on this. I, however, am definitely going to vote no. I may be in the minority among, uh, among the listeners to this program and to fellow DJs here at the station, perhaps even the majority of people I know, but I know of three good people who I've had in my life who were murdered, and you're just flat out never going to convince me that the perpetrators in those cases do not deserve the death penalty. My opinion on this is also tempered by the fact that I have worked in California prisons, including death row, and I personally just don't think in a lot of cases that uh, life imprisonment's appropriate. All right, and all the rest of the measures and all the candidates, we're going to let you decide, except, as mentioned on the show a couple weeks ago, I personally am going to vote no on Measure T in Sacramento. I want to keep the claw picking up the leaves in my neighborhood. Mr. McMillan? We've got about four or five minutes left, and I think that I will put that to good use reading a press release from none other than KDVS 90.3 FM. This, of course, is in regards to the fact that we will have 48 hours of special programming on this station next November 8th through 9th by former KZAP staff. This will preempt Radio Parallax. But to quote from our press release... There was a time when rock music on radio was played exclusively on top 40 AM stations that constantly repeated the same hit songs with disc jockeys that talked obnoxiously fast and loud. That was before the freeform FM radio revolution of the late 1960s that transformed rock music radio. Relive what FM radio was like in the early days as KDVS, the station operated by UC Davis students, joins forces with the former air staff of legendary Sacramento radio station KZAP to celebrate free-form radio. KDVS will dedicate 48 hours of continuous programming featuring former KZAP disc jockeys playing the music of the late 1960s and early 70s and telling stories about what it was like in the early days of progressive FM radio. The special programming begins at 6 a.m. Thursday, November 8th and ends at 6 a.m. Saturday, November 10th. KZAP was the pioneering Sacramento FM station that along with a handful of innovative alternative stations across the country such as KSAN in San Francisco, KMET in Los Angeles, and WNEU in New York transformed radio in the late 1960s and 70s. It was the beginning of a revolution. Prior to that, popular music and radio was Top 40 Radio. If it was not a hit single, you did not hear it on the radio until the advent of progressive freeform radio. With newfound freedom in the late 60s, disc jockeys began experimenting by playing album cuts of rock bands such as The Grateful Dead, Jefferson Airplane, The Doors, Jimi Hendrix, The Beatles, and The Rolling Stones, along with some blues, folk, and jazz. Essentially, music you did not hear on commercial radio at that time. In the mid-60s, all the action and money were in AM radio. FM was an afterthought. The few FM stations at the time played mostly classical music, or easy-listening background, or elevator music. But music aficionados soon recognized the superior sound quality of FM and the ability to broadcast in stereo. The radio revolution was about to begin. KZAP began broadcasting on November 8, 1968. Its radically different freeform music programming, along with the progressive news and public affairs programming, soon captured the imagination and listening habits of a new generation of radio listeners. 
By the early 1970s, KZAP, as it was commonly referred to, was an influential top-rated station in Sacramento. That period lasted until the end of the 1970s, when corporate radio companies began buying up progressive stations and making them more commercially viable, which meant more restrictive mainstream rock programming. By the early 80s, the transition of rock music from top 40 to FM album-oriented rock stations was complete. The remnants of free-form radio today are non-commercial college stations such as KDVS and community-supported stations such as KVMR in Nevada City and KZFR in Chico. We live the early days of underground radio in Northern California as former KZAP air staff converge on KDVS for a special 48 hours of programming featuring the music and stories of what radio was like in the early days. We would note to others in the media that KDVS staff and former KZAP staff are available for interviews with news organizations interested in more details or history about the early days of freeform radio. We would refer you to the KDVS website, kdvs.org. When the giants come to town, it's bye-bye, baby. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. We want to give thanks to the San Francisco Giants. Second World Series victory in three years. Nice going, fellas. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. We will see you two weeks from now. Turn up the volume.